Corey Davis is staying. Makai Becton wants to play left tackle, and the Jets and Quinn and Williams still are not close on reaching a new contract. We're talking the latest Jets developments today on the Locked On Jets podcast. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, this is the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Monday, May 8th, 2023, and I'm your host, John B. from GangreenNation.com. Thanking you for making the show your first listen or first watch every day. Subscribe to this podcast for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so that you'll get new episodes as soon as they're posted. If you enjoy the show and are listening on a podcast source, please give it a five-star review. And if you're watching on YouTube, give this episode a big thumbs up. Well, over the weekend, the Jets held their rookie minicamp, but most of the news that came out was really about veteran players. Rookie minicamp, I think, is one of the most overrated weekends of the year. It's the first opportunity the media and fans get to see the players the Jets drafted and signed as undrafted free agents on the practice field. The Jets also brought in some tryout players who are hoping to earn undrafted free agent contracts, but there's only so much work that can get done this weekend. It's a handful of days a limited number of practice reps, and guys who don't really know the playbook. So I don't think much that happens on the field this weekend matters all that much. You get the typical team trying to hype up its draft picks, and you got some of that over the weekend. Some of the comments that were made by the Jets and some of the reports that came out of the weekend were hyping up certain picks, and there's nothing wrong with that. Of course, every team at this point of the year is hoping that their draft picks develop and turn into very good players, and that could very well happen for the Jets class of 2023. But we can't really determine that from what happened this past weekend. So when we talk about the rookie minicamp, despite it being about the rookies, more frequently what happens is news that comes out of it is about veteran players because the coaching staff and sometimes the GM get in front of the media and they give you updates on certain situations. And Robert Salad did that on Friday when he talked about Corey Davis. Now, Corey Davis's status for the Jets has been a topic of some question because the Jets brought in three veteran receivers as free agents this offseason. They signed Alan Lazard, they signed Nicole Hardman, and they signed Randall Cobb. And Garrett Wilson's already here. Garrett Wilson, of course, is going to be the number one receiver. So the question was, is there enough room for Corey Davis? And Robert Sala answered that question somewhat definitively on Friday. He said Corey Davis is going to be here. So I think we can pretty much settle that one. And part of the reason there were questions about Davis is that the Jets, you know, they don't really have a lot of salary cap space right now. Overthecap.com, which is my go-to source for salary cap news and information, they currently estimate the Jets have around $9.5 million in cap space. And that's not sufficient for the year. Uh, The Jets are going to need to eventually rework the Aaron Rodgers contract. His cap number is going up from the current around $1.1 million. They'll need to use a good chunk of that $9.5 million just to sign their rookie class. They're also going to need some more salary cap space to have a practice squad. And they're going to want to leave some extra money over once we get to the season because players are going to get hurt so they're going to have to sign players to the 53-man roster that's going to require cap space and you always want to have an excess of cap space entering the season you don't want to get caught with an injury where you need to sign a player and not have the cap space you need and Davis seemed like a logical candidate for a cut or a trade perhaps because the Jets not only brought in those three veteran receivers but Davis is one of the few players who 
could give you a, a fair amount of cap relief. His current cap number for the 2023 season is 11.1 million. All but 667,000 of that comes off the books if he's let go. So cutting Davis or trading Davis would open up about $10.5 million of sorely needed cap space for the Jets. But of course, cap space is used to improve your football team. And at this point in time, I think the Jets need Corey Davis. So I'm in full agreement with the decision to keep Corey Davis because although the Jets brought in three receivers this offseason, to me, these are depth receivers. These are receivers who are perfectly fine. They belong in the NFL. This is not some of the situations you saw in the Sam Darnold years when the Jets were bringing in guys and playing them that who have no business being in the NFL. These guys belong in the NFL, but I think that they are better closer to the bottom of the depth chart. Now, we got Garrett Wilson on the top, and it is great to say that we have Garrett Wilson as a number one receiver because prior to Garrett Wilson, I think Brandon Marshall was probably the last Jets receiver that I saw, and I said, I feel good about having that guy as my number one receiver. So we finally settled the number one slot. Again, we've got depth receivers. We've got Lazard. We've got Hardman. We've got Cobb. But, you know, do you want any of them to be your number two guy? And you have to remember, your number two guy becomes your number one guy if anything happens to Garrett Wilson. And the answer to that, I think, is a pretty definitive no. Lazard is really the only guy of those three. I mean, maybe Randall Cobb earlier in his career, but Cobb is clearly on his last days. But of those three, Lazard's the only one that's really even attempted to fill in the role as a number one receiver. That was last year in Green Bay. And, you know, he really produced uh, moderately. It wasn't a great season by any stretch of the imagination. Not that Corey Davis is a great number one option, but... Davis, Lazard, Hardman, Cobb, that's at least a group that's you know credible enough. It's, it's not a good group, but it certainly becomes worse if Corey Davis is off the table. If, you, if it becomes Lazard, Cobb, Hardman, I don't know, Mims, I mean, that's a, that's a really rough group. I think that if Corey Davis returns to the form he had with Tennessee, this Jets receiving group suddenly looks pretty formidable. Because I think at Tennessee, what Davis became, he became a good second option. You know, he was that guy behind A.J. Brown. He was never super consistent with Tennessee. And look, part of his issue with the Jets is just he struggled to stay on the field. It's not entirely his fault, but I think that's probably the biggest reason he's been a disappointment. Now he has his bad moments. He's had some very inopportune drops during his tenure with the New York Jets, but he's also had some very good games. And as a number two option, listen, you'd love, an, you'd love to have like a T. Higgins as your number two option. You'd love to have a Devontae Smith as your number two option. And I won't lie, I wish the Jets had taken that approach this offseason. I wish you know, there's still time potentially to get DeAndre Hopkins. I think that that would be a superior option. And of course, if the Jets make another move, then maybe Davis would be on his way out. And if the Jets had drafted somebody in the first round, if they had taken Jack and, Jackson Smith and Jigba out of Ohio State, I think we're having a different discussion. I think at that point, Davis in that $10.5 million cap savings, he becomes expendable and the Jets could move on. But I think at this point in time, he's a player the Jets really need there. And I think that there's something to the idea that maybe Aaron Rodgers can help revitalize his career. I mean, there's no question about it. Aaron Rodgers is probably going to be far. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is going to, I shouldn't say probably, Aaron Rodgers is going to be far and away the best quarterback Corey Davis has ever played with. Best quarterback he's played with to date is Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill is not Aaron Rodgers. So you could see a bump with Corey Davis. In a way, I I don't think you're going to see a bump with Lazard because he already played with Rodgers. And the same goes with Randall Cobb and Hardman. You know, he, I guess he didn't play with Rodgers, but he played in Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes. So these guys kind of are what they are, whereas Corey Davis could actually benefit a lot from Aaron Rodgers if he could stay healthy. And this could be a bounce-back year for Davis. Of course, it is a contract year for him. He's he's He does not have a contract beyond 2023, so there's going to be a little extra motivation for him this year. And I think he knows that if he, if he posts big numbers with Aaron Rodgers this year, which is a very possible 
outcome, you could be looking at another big payday this offseason. So everything's kind of lining up here. I think it's a good move for the Jets. And I know that I know Corey Davis is not a popular guy, and I don't think it's unfair. I think to date, his first two seasons with the Jets have not been what people were looking for. It's not it's not been what the Jets have been looking for, but there's still ability there, and you've seen him flash. And last year he was on his way to a good season. You know, then he had some they got banged up. So I think that this is the right move for the Jets. I think a team that's clearly trying to win now, it's tough to, for me, it would be tough. To, I'd love to get the cap number lower. I'd love for him to take a pay cut, but that may not be realistic because even at this time of the year, receivers, this was not a year where there was a great free agent receiver class. It was not a year where it was a great free, considered a free, great free agent draft class. So there are lots of teams out there that need a receiver. And I'm not sure Corey Davis would necessarily be amenable to a pay cut. It would be great if the Jets could get him to take one, but it may not happen. Now, what still could happen is the Jets could take some of that $11 million and push the cap hits to the future. There are some ways to do that. So we'll see whether they do that. And it won't cost Davis any money now. So, of course, he'll be willing to do it. But for the time being, it sounds like Corey Davis will remain a member of the Jets. And I, I tend to agree with the move. Now, head here on the Lockdown Jets podcast, we're going to talk about Makai Becton. He made some news over the weekend. And I think it shows you how slow the news cycle is right now. The fact that this caught on as much as it did, but Mekhi Becton wants to play left tackle, and we'll talk about the implications of that as we continue on this Monday episode of the Locked On Jets podcast. Today's episode of Locked On Jets is brought to you by Built Bar. We are a long way off from the NFL season. You're going to need to power your way through these next couple of months. Well, let Built Bar help you do that. If you're looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all the sugar and calories, that's what Built Bar is here for. Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, that's right, real chocolate. They're delicious. They have delicious flavors, peanut butter, uh, brownie, churro, cookies and cream. But while these bars taste like a candy bar, they have amazing macros and they're healthy. Most bars only have 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 17 grams of protein. Here's the best part. Now you don't need to wait for a box. Yes, for years you've been hearing me talk about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com, but well, you can still do that. Now there are other options. You can go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club. So head to your nearest Walmart today, go to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can, you can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puff. Or if you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box of hip flavors like brownie batter puff or churro puff. You can thank me later. Thank you again for making Lockdown Jets your first listen every day. Mekhi Becton made some news over the weekend, and I, I think it's a commentary on how little is actually going on in this rookie minicamp that this generated the amount of attention it did. But apparently on Saturday morning, Mekhi Becton took to social media and tweeted out a statement that said, I period am period a period left period tackle four exclamation points. I am a left tackle all in caps four exclamation points. And this has led to a lot of attention. Again, I think it's just a sign of a slow news tackle. It's no secret Mekhi Becton wants to be a left tackle. I'll, I'll let you in on the secret. There's a good reason Mekhi Becton wants to be a left tackle. Left tackles make more money than right tackles in the NFL. If you're a good left tackle, you get more money than you do if you're a good right tackle. That's because teams are focused on protecting the blind side of their quarterbacks because most quarterbacks in, this, in the NFL, there, there are some exceptions. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa comes to mind. Way back when, Steve Young came to mind. Tim Tebow, I don't know if you count him as an NFL quarterback. But with those few exceptions, most quarterbacks in the NFL are right-handed. And when right-handed quarterbacks drop back, they cannot see the guy the left tackle is blocking. Now, it's reversed with when you're talking about a lefty quarterback. With a lefty quarterback, they can't see the guy the right tackle is blocking. But 
teams spend a lot on quarterbacks. You know, you're most a lot of teams are either using an early draft pick or they're paying the quarterback in, in excess of $25, $30 million a year, or in some cases, they've done both. They've drafted somebody years ago with an early pick, and now they're paying them a lot of money. They want to protect that asset. They want to protect their quarterback. So they pay left tackles a lot of money. Now, in today's NFL, things are a little bit different, because through the years, defensive coordinators have kind of caught on to this. They say, okay, well, teams are putting their best player, at the, the best offensive lineman at the left tackle position, so I'm going to put my best right, my best pass rusher against the right tackle because he's probably not going to be as good. And this has actually led in recent years to the right tackle position taking on more prominence. And that's also been, become true because it's been more difficult to develop offensive linemen. College, colleges really aren't training offensive linemen anymore. In the college game, they have this rule that you're allowed to block three yards down the field without being an ineligible receiver if you're an offensive lineman. So that's led the screen game to take on a greater prevalence in college than it does in the NFL, because in the NFL, you can only block one yard down the field. So when the, with the screen game more prevalent in college than ever, offensive linemen don't have to learn pass sets. You know, there, there's a lot out there. So it's been a kind of an evolution, and that means it's difficult to find good linemen at any position, so they get paid more. So these, these are two factors that are raising the salaries of the, of the right tackles. First of all, that's where the, a lot of the best pass rushers line up. So now you got to, even though your quarterback can see the guy who the right tackle's blocking, you got to get a good player there. And second is just there's a general uh, lack of good offensive linemen in this league. But the Jets, uh, the Jets are probably going to play Mekhi Becton at right tackle this year. Robert Sala, you know, kind of danced around the question. He was asked about the Becton tweet on Saturday, and he said, "Well, go out and earn it, Mekhi. Go out. You know, it's, it's your opportunity to go out and earn the left tackle job if you want to play there." Now, in reality, Becton doesn't really have much of a path to play left tackle. Dwayne Brown's at left tackle. Dwayne Brown's 38. Dwayne Brown's played left tackle his entire career. So I don't think the Jets are going to go to a 38-year-old lineman and ask him to, to switch positions, go to the other side. And I think one of the, I don't think it's the real reason the Jets drafted Mekhi Becton out of Louisville in 2020, but I think maybe one of the secondary reasons is that he actually played both left and right tackle in college. In fact, there were points at Louisville where he would switch between left tackle and right tackle from on a play-to-play basis. Again, I, I don't think it's a surprise Mekhi Becton said that. For me, the issue with Mekhi Becton is not what he's tweeting. No, he's, he's got to go out and play. He's got to get on the field. And I don't play Mekhi Becton. It's not his fault he got injured. He's had two two straight serious injuries. You know, you can't blame a player for that. But Mekhi Becton, if you want, I don't care which what position Mekhi Becton plays. Mekhi Becton's just got to get on the field at this point and play effectively. And if he does that, things will take care of themselves. You know, he'll be fine. And the Jets probably will have a vacancy at left tackle after the season. Dwayne Brown, it's got to be the last year of his career. I'm surprised he's coming back. I'm surprised the Jets wanted him back so badly after last season where he gutted through some injuries, but also showed he's really on his last legs. I mean, he's a shell of the guy who went to Pro Bowls with Houston and Seattle. He's just not the same player anymore. And that's just what happens when you get to your late 30s as an NFL offensive lineman. So... I think that there's a clear opportunity for Becton, but look, if Becton plays well this year, he's going to get paid. He's going to get a good contract, and again, there's such a such a lack of quality offensive linemen in the NFL that he's probably going to get an opportunity to start at left tackle if he if he really wants that. And when the Jets drafted him in 2020, I think it was clearly a swing for the fences type pick. I think even at the time, you would have to say that Tristan Wirfs, who was out of Iowa, was the safer pick. Mekhi Becton was the guy who had the quote-unquote higher ceiling. Now, I think we get a little carried away in the first round when we talk about ceilings because Tristan Wurst, even though he quote-unquote had the lower ceiling, 
has a first-team All-Pro to his name. So the guy with the lower ceiling still had first-team All-Pro potential. But Becton, his size and his movement skills, and even though Becton, you know, Becton clearly in great shape right now, if you follow the off-season social media posts he's, he's thrown out there, even though he's he's clearly slimmed down, he's still a really big guy. And there just aren't many guys in his size that who, with his movement skills, it's if he kept it after the injuries. So there's a real opportunity for Becton to still be a very good player if he can somehow figure out a way to stay on the field and hopefully have a little bit better injury luck. I, I don't really care, though, that he's tweeting this out. I, I know that drew a lot of attention. Again, I think it's part of it's just like the NFL has become such a 24-7 news cycle like everything else that... People always need to find something to analyze and break down. I go back to this, though. It's obvious Mekhi Becton wants to be a left tackle. Left tackles get paid more than right tackles. It's that simple. So I guess I got to blame me a little bit because I'm talking about it. I'm giving this this tweet some attention, but I don't think it really deserved the coverage it got. The focus for Becton is he's got to stay on the field. He's got to block people. That's that's If he does that, things will take care of themselves. Now, as we continue on this Monday episode of the Locked on Jets podcast, we'll talk about Quinn and Williams it wasn't directly from the Jets. It was actually from a report over the weekend, but unfortunately it sounds like there's been no progress yet on a contract or minimal progress. We'll talk about what this means and what the Jets should do as we continue on this Monday edition of the Locked On Jets podcast. This is the Locked On Jets podcast here on this Monday. The Jets had their rookie minicamp over the weekend. There was a development that came from a news report on Sunday. It actually was not part of the Jets minicamp, but it was an article on ESPN's website that apparently there has not been much progress between the Jets and Quinn and Williams yet on a contract extension. And if you've been following, Quinn and Williams is currently sitting out the offseason program, which comes as no surprise. He said, you know, a few months back that he wanted a deal done by the beginning of the offseason program. And that seemed a bit ominous. And if you follow the NFL, one thing you know is that if a player wants a new contract and doesn't have it, he's sitting out the offseason program. And there's a good reason for that. The off-season program is not mandatory. Until we get, there's a three-day mini-camp near the end of the off-season program that is mandatory that Quinn and Williams will and probably needs uh, needs to and probably will show up for because even players in contract disputes typically go to that. If they don't, they get fined. But the Jets can't do anything to him for skipping these voluntary workouts. And that's what they are. They're voluntary workouts. And for me, it's not a huge deal because Quinn, Quinn and Williams knows how to get ready for the season. There are guys I worry about. You know, you want to talk about some younger guys, some guys entering year two, a Jeremy Rucker, a guy who's still learning how to play in the NFL. That's a guy I could see, maybe, you know, Max Mitchell, somebody like that. Those are guys I could see it where, you know what, you want them around the team, you want them developing, you want them working with the team, with the coaches to the extent they can, because they, they this is their opportunity to make steps forward in their game, to really show that they're improving. Quinton Williams is already developed. In fact, if anything... A guy like Quinton Williams setting out the offseason program is almost, for me, like almost, is it's borderline a good thing because that means that somebody below him on the depth chart, maybe one of those young players can actually step up in Quinton Williams' absence and get some more work with the coaches, get some first team reps in the drills, and maybe that helps a younger guy develop. So not only does it not upset me, it, it, it's in some ways it's actually kind of a benefit to the team because it's a guy who doesn't need the reps is sitting out. A guy who maybe could use the reps a little bit better is get is getting them. So I don't worry about this. It's standard. It's par for the course in the NFL. A player who wants a new contract is sitting out the offseason program because when you're a player, you don't have many avenues to uh, show your displeasure with the team. You can you can hold out a training camp, but you get fined every day. So 
it's a it's a become a very rare thing. It does happen, but you know, teams the players don't want to do it because they get fined. They end up paying money. There just aren't many tools at your disposal. This is one of the few that a player can do. A player can sit out the offseason program without being punished, and it's a way to show their displeasure with what's going on. Apparently the Jets and Williams, according to ESPN, have not really made any progress yet, which is not a great surprise because the Jets have been so preoccupied with other things. Obviously, the Aaron Rodgers trade, they had to deal they had to deal with free agency. They had to get ready for the draft. This always seemed like the most logical point for the Jets and Williams to work out a new deal. And he's, of course, he's playing you know, he's playing out this season on the fifth-year option. Um, you know, it's a, under $10 million this year, so that's why Quinton Williams wants to get paid. You know, Quinton Williams is making less than $10 million this year, coming off a phenomenal season. If you were Quinton Williams, you'd probably want to get paid, too. My hope is that the Jets are not going to drag this out. Now, there's a way you, you, you could look at this from the Jets and say, well, he's under contract this year, and if worse comes to worse, we can use the franchise tag next year. That's one way of doing this, but I'd like to see the Jets get this done. And one of the things that's driven me crazy about the Jets during Woody Johnson's ownership is every almost every single player who's been a great player for the Jets. And there, I mean, there have been a few, I think Nick Van Gold, things were okay, but almost every other player, maybe DeBrickishaw Ferguson, it's been acrimonious getting a new contract. Even when the deal eventually gets done, it's been a problem. It's been an issue. It's been painful, more painful than it needs to be. This is the Jets' opportunity to step up to the plate and keep a great player. Keep a, keep a guy who's developed a homegrown Jet, who's developed into a star. I'm all for it. I hope they figure out a way to get it done, and I think it should be the top priority. I don't think the Jets should, should slow walk this. I don't think the Jets should have the mindset that, well, he's under contract this year, and we could use the franchise tag next year. I want this done. I don't want to have to worry about this anymore. I don't think that it makes sense to worry about this anymore. I think the Jets should take care of a guy who's been great for them, who's outperformed his contract. You want that? You want to be in this situation. When you're in this situation, it means you actually hit on a pick, which is which has been rare for the Jets over the last decade. Unfortunately, it's becoming less rare. We talk about Quinnen, when we talk about Sauce, when we talk about Garrett, when we talk about Brees. Jets are actually hitting on some of these early picks. Now it's time to pay Quinnen Williams, show him that his play is going to be rewarded. Anyway, that's all for today's episode. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day is our motto. As always, if you enjoy the show, hit the subscribe button where you're watching or listening so that you'll never miss an episode. Five-star review if you're listening on a podcast for us, please, or a big thumbs up to this episode if you're watching on YouTube. Have a great Monday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Jets.